everybody. Welcome to Just for Variety. Today is December 10th, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Yes, I am back. After some time off, I am so happy to return to the podcast. And what better guest to kick things off than Morgan Spector? The Gilded Age star is here to talk about the HBO show's second season, hear what he has to say about the possibility of season three, wanting to do a musical episode, and how he maintains his magnificent and now signature beard. Plus, we take a trip down memory lane as Spectre recalls one of his worst early auditions. But before we get to the interview, let's take a look at my night at Elle's Women in Hollywood Gala. I caught up with Jennifer Lopez to chat about her upcoming short film that will be released in tandem with her next album, This Is Me Now. The film, which JLo describes as a musical experience, will feature her romance with husband Ben Affleck. I asked Lopez if she was worried about putting the spotlight on her private life after the couple endured relentless media attention when they first dated about 20 years ago. Of course, you know, we both have PTSD from that yeah. time. And I think we're older now, we're wiser, but we also know what's important. Mm-hmm. What's really important in life, and it's not so much what other people think, but it's about being true to who you are. And as artists, we have to follow your heart. This is me following my heart and doing and something that maybe everybody didn't think was the best idea, but I had to do. This is me now. The album and the film will be released February 16th. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Morgan Spector stars in the Gilded Age as railroad magnate George Russell. Think Andrew Carnegie and J.D. Rockefeller. With his wife, Bertha, played by Carrie Coons, the new money Russells are determined to stake a place for themselves in old money New York. From the clothes to the sets and real life locations like the mansions of Newport, the Gilded Age is dripping in extravagance. I caught up with Spector over Zoom from his New York area home. So, Morgan, I have to tell you something. What? My cousin is Mr. Henderson. Darren. No Gold- kidding. My Darren is your cousin? Yes. <laughs> he's great. I love him. I, I mean, I've known him for a while, actually. So it was fun that he was, he's finally, you know, we finally got to work together. He was actually, I mean, this is, I went to college with a, uh, a woman named Michelle Kohlmeyer. Okay. Uh, who grew up near Darren Goldstein on Long Island. Wow. So when I moved to New York, I, I like little aspiring actor. She yeah. connected me with Darren because he was a guy that she knew in the city who was already, uh, oh, wow. you know, sort of working and working in that world. Yeah. Um, he helped like I, I can't remember whether he helped me or whether I just ended up trying to get a job at the restaurant where he was like his side job for a while. Anyway, I've known Darren for a long time. It was really fun to get to actually work with him. So that's yeah, I mean, he um my grandfather and his grandfather were twin brothers. Wow. Okay. It's wild. It's uh so I knew he had he had told me that he was going to be on the new season. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we're going to run this in relation to for release of C, uh episode seven. And I'm like there's Mr. Henderson right there in that episode. <laughs> wild. Tell me the first time you read George's, read the first script for Gilded Age. What did you, what did you love about George? Um, you know, I was so, 
I'm a, you know, I can be, I am not always, but I can be a sort of very typical neurotic actor. And so I was like, Julian Fellows, like, there's no way they're going to put me in this world. You know, it's like, it, I, it doesn't, I, but there was some interest. It was like interest in having me take. Um, and my wife, who is, sees the world very clearly, was like, he's Clark Gable. Just, just do that. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then because I could turn that, that let me sort of turn my self-conscious critical brain off for a minute. Then I was just able to play with the text and I, I found it actually, I sat in it quite, quite easily. You know, you never really know what, how, like how your body or your approach to something is going to work until you really try on the material. And um, yeah, I was surprised, just surprised how sort of comfortable it was. Um, and I have continued to be surprised how, how much of an invitation Julian's writing gives actors to bring themselves to the material and to bring them and to, 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 you know, to bring their own, you know, their, their own quality to the, to the character. So that's been, that's been a, a, a fun, a fun journey with this stuff. So you're telling me you're a money hungry Robert. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. Like I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to refuse refuse to psychoanalyze myself to sort of find out why, why I, why I connected the material. I think there's just something about his, um, maybe I, there's something about his sort of ease and his sort of general sense that he can solve whatever problem he needs to, that mm-hmm. maybe I aspire to, or maybe I would sort of wish for myself. Uh, you know, it's like we have our fantasy selves and our shadow selves and, you know, maybe George is a little bit of both for me. Yeah. What was it like getting, what was it like your first wardrobe fitting? Cause that is, I mean, I just want to wear that stuff every day. No, it's, it, it's cool. And yeah, I mean, Kasha, our costume designer is I kind of an intimidatingly impressive person. She's one of those people you meet and you, she, she has like, she has star quality. She has that thing where you go, Oh, you are a, you are a formidable person. <laughs> uh, and she brought, you know, I walked into the costume, the, the costume shop, and it was unlike most costume shops, you know, double high ceilings and brightly lit. It was a beautiful space and it was full of uh, much of their incredible work. Um, and yeah, I think there was, I mean, this is how I often feel about the show, whether it's the costumes or the production, production design, is our job as actors is to just not let those departments down. You know, like they have done such amazing work. Um, and the people who have actually, you know, the, from the on the design level, and then also the people who have done, who have actually built the costumes, built the sets, um, the act on the level of crafts. There is such incredible detailed work going on. Uh, but yeah, putting on the clothes for the first time was another moment where I kind of thought, you know, is this really going to work? And then you put this thing on that's been built for your body and you kind of go, oh, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> no, and I too, now always, I want to wear a three-quarter length coat and a, and, a, and a vest everywhere I go. I mean, it's a it's a sharp, sharp look. Please tell me you walked off set and went to Starbucks in it. <laughs> no, I never, <laughs> I never, I never have actually, no. I, it's weird, I, it's funny. I mean, every other, certainly in other jobs, I have walked off set in costume, but on Gilded, I never have. <laughs> um, what was it like with Carrie Coons for the first time? Did you meet during the audition process? Where where did you guys start? Uh, uh, Carrie's husband, Tracy, did a film called Christine with my wife, Rebecca. Uh, so <laughs> I knew them a little bit through that. Um, and then Carrie and I had actually done 
a short film um, called Great Choice, like mm -hmm. a, an incredibly surreal short film uh, in which she at one point cuts off my tongue with a uh, with a like a, a restaurant butter knife. Um, so so we had spent a very strange day together, um, actually with some of the producers of that same film, Christine. Um, and and so yeah, it was it was actually kind of a good basis. We had our, we had done a really strange thing together, and so when we came in to do this much more structured project, it was kind of like, oh well, you know, we've 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 already we've already seen each other's like wild like acting as a sort of form of wild guessing. Like, is this the tone we should be hitting? Fine, we'll try. Uh, I imagine there's an automatic intimacy that is formed when someone is trying to cut off your tongue. Uh, yes, absolutely. And when you're, you know, when you're trying to approximate what that must feel like and gurgling and just spitting fake blood all over yourself. I mean, once you've done that, I think there's there's a lot that's you've you've dispensed with in terms of uh in terms of small talk. I need to see this film. Yes, you should. <laughs> uh, it's rattling around out there. Actually, um the director Robin is trying to make a feature, or I think is going to make a feature uh based on it sometime soon. Um, what was the first day on set? Do you remember? What was that like? Yes, it was, it was, it was the first day on set was, um, it was a scene with Carrie and I, and I, it was this, it was a scene, it might've been the first, might've been our first scene of the first episode where mm -hmm. we go to my library and I'm sitting there smoking a cigar and she comes and sits on my lap. And I think both of us just felt eggy and lost. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do we move? How do we, what is, you know, what are we doing here? I, the, the technical demands of Julian Fellow's world and language are are real. And um, for me, anyway, it took, it took me a few weeks to feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Carrie is uh, the greatest scene partner you could ever ask for. I mean, she is, she has done all her work. She is completely, and she, you know, she delivers, she's ferocious uh, and just, also just one of those people who kind of lights up a set so it's it, it, it has it has been fun since the first day although that first day was easily the worst i was absolutely <laughs> shitting myself <laughs> do, do you have to learn things like how to put on a top hat how to take off a top hat like yeah. that's yeah. not a natural yeah. thing we do now <laughs> oh and, and and i and it's you know it is about you know it's doing it in a way that you're like, I've, you know, where you've done it a thousand times, and of course you haven't. And you know, removing your gloves, like your form-fitting leather kid gloves, that every time you shake, you, every time you touch someone, and you just remove them and then put them back on. I mean, the, I don't know how these people got anything done in their days. They were dealing with their clothes all the time. Well, because they had servants. Exactly. Had yes, you had to. The servants are the one who did the grocery shopping, the dry cleaning. Right. <laughs> Of course, and, and and also helped you put your pants on in the morning. I mean, it was, you know, it's ridiculous. When when you look when you're on a set like that and you're looking around, I mean, you have these gazillion extras and the most gorgeous wardrobe. The the production, you know, each episode is just a movie within itself. Yeah. Do you ever sort of look at it like, what is this? Where am I? How did this happen? What year is this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is. There's a, there is, a, there's definitely that kind of, the, I have definitely been many times awed by the scope of this project. 
is we'll be on our back lot with gigantic cranes, an entire built set of 61st Street. I mean, it's it's stuff you just you don't see. You, you know, I, I am not I have not worked on productions of this scale. Right. I mean, I, I worked on Boardwalk Empire, which was also really big. Uh, you know, they 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 I remember they bought a whole they rented a whole city block on Staten Island and turned it into um, uh, a, a, a town outside of Chicago. Stuff like that. I mean, I've, but this honestly dwarfs anything that I've worked on, but it really is the cast. You look around this cast and you're like, the recurring guest stars all have seven <laughs> tokens. Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I mean, these people, but it's, it is really cool. It is, I mean, I'm, a, you know, I came up through the theater and I, you know, you're reading, these are names that I have read about and considered legendary. And here I am on set uh, and you're just getting to sort of, you know, Kelly O'Hara swans in and, you know, Christine Bransky, Michael Cerberus and Cynthia Nixon and all these people carry it, obviously, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. It, it's yeah. So generate Janae Benton, like, oh, my God. So who who in that who of those guest star, you know, or recurring characters or stars were you? Did you get starstruck where you were just like, I don't know if I could talk to them or what do I what do I say? Well, I have to say, um, you know, Christine Baranski, we 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 don't our paths don't cross oh, much, right? So in the show, so there was not an opportunity to build um, any real any any kind of casual intimacy that you just sort of naturally develop on set with her. So when I when I saw her, I think after we shot after we shot, then we had one scene in the first season where she was around, and I was a little bit like, oh. <laughs> but. But Christine is such a, um, like, I have just found her to be so lovely and sort of conscientiously open to embracing all of us, welcoming us in and sort of, um, you know, giving us her her kindness and her admiration. And I, I find everybody in this cast is like that. So there was that mo there there have been moments of being intimidated and uh, by by certain people because of the because of how much I admire their work uh, and and also because of how they carry themselves. I mean, Christine is a an, an uh, can be I think like a scary person in character as Agnes particularly. <laughs> um, but uh, but those moments you know they they dissipate very quickly because everyone is actually pretty pretty friendly. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Spectre talks about a possible musical episode of The Gilded Age and how he maintains that incredible beer. We also talk about his early auditions, find out what happened when he tried out for a production of A Christmas Cow. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm Mark Malkin. Here's more of The Gilded Age star Morgan Spectre. Will season three see a musical episode? I mean, man, I hope so. You know what? We know what we should do. There's the British tradition of the Christmas special. Yes. Right? All uh, po these popular shows, they'll have. A, and if we had a Christmas special, then yeah. we could have we could have some singing, and it would be great. Give the people what they want. I mean, Agnes breaking out in jazz hands. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. I, you know, we could do it. Could be Christmas caroling. People could take a solo. It, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It would be good. So when do you start shooting season three? I wish I I wish I knew whether we were going to have one or not. We won't find out, I think, till they're, they're going to air everything and then make a decision based on 
all of our metrics and whatnot. I mean, I've seen the last episode. I'm not going to talk about it now because spoilers, but it leaves a lot of things open where you need to know where people are going. Yes. I mean, for me, I, I'm like, Bertha just basically, you know, everything I've ever said I want for my child, she is just completely undermined. So what are we going to do about that? <laughs> <laughs> and poor Aunt Ada. Yeah. Rough. She has a rough ride. I was like, "What were you married for three days or something?" Yeah, exactly. Like less before it is. Well, she it's like she compressed all of the joy and sorrow of a life with someone else into, like you're saying, three days. So, sorry, my dogs. Um, yeah, I mean, I was so happy when she got married, but I was like, "Okay, how are they going to do this?" Because she has to be with Agnes. That said, I did not expect. He was going to get some yeah. know, plagues you get in that time. <laughs> Dropsy or something. <laughs> Just dead. <laughs> what? If there is a season three, what do you want to see? What, what, what sort of your dream for George and Bertha and everybody else? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, I think with George and Bertha, the, the at least part of the, the story is set up really clearly that they are going to have to figure out what to do about Gladys and the Duke and what to do about the fact that she went ahead and created a, a match that wasn't a love match, which is all George's, he, a place where he's really planted his flag. Um, but yeah, as far as, uh, you know, I think the, I think the union stuff isn't going anywhere. I mean, I wonder, George has certainly gone in a very different direction than the other robber barons on <laughs> the question of how to deal with organized labor. And right. I wonder if they could, you know, if there could be some kind of organized attempt to to diminish his power and his influence in the in the business world. So when you're when you're reading the script, at least I know what I what I've done, you know, especially season one. I was like, okay, what's real here? What's not? Oh, yeah, yeah. Real characters, not real characters. So you're trying to figure it out. It's like, okay, what's what exactly happened and didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the leading up to the thing in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I think the, um, there was a, a real life analog for that event. And yeah. I think they're, they're using Carnegie and Frick as the sort of, as the basis for that. And from, from my character and uh, Patrick Page's character. And I think if they continue to do that and they continue to play with that relationship, that relationship gets very contentious um, yeah. and very very i think kind of dangerously so even so that that could be a direction that we go i mean that makes for great tv <laughs> right exactly and that's i think that's why they've set that up i've begun to set up a conflict between me and patrick and i and that you know that's like you're saying that that thing you're saying well what's real and what isn't that's i i i sort of do that to be like okay what are they what do they have in mind here like what are they um and you know what might what might come next but but you never know because yeah they had the luxury of just sort of picking and choosing from the existing history and just discarding what they don't want. And now I have to ask you the most important question. Okay. What is the secret to your beard grooming? <laughs> the secret to my beard grooming is- You have leader. the best beard. I, I, I have to say, I can take almost no credit for it. I grow it and then Nikki <laughs> shapes it. She is, you know, she, Nikki who does the makeup, the makeup head of department on our show, uh, she did Joaquin Phoenix's makeup for Joker. She's like an Oscar-nominated makeup artist. She's a right. brilliant, brilliant artist. And she loves barbering. 
weird like luckily enough she's very into barbering um and she she takes care of my beard like it is like a, a sweet a sweet innocent baby and just she she shapes it so well like yeah anyway i don't know i've never sometimes i watch myself in shows and i'm like i don't know if you've got it. you might have a face for radio kid but then with that beard she sorts that it all beard, out that beard is not a beard for radio no no that beard belongs in the spotlight but also when you're shooting, are you like, are there times where you're like, I just want to, I don't want it. I want to shave it off. Yes, absolutely. Yes. When the season drags on by like month seven, it, it's actually, it's more the mustache than the beard. The beard is fine. It's your upper lip being covered with an full inch of hair that just is not convenient. That is, that is a, that is a difficult thing. Yeah. I've had my beard now for about a year. Well, yours looks, looks like so that's a tidy, it's tidy. You know, you know I keep, beard. Yeah, I keep it tidy. But yours, is, it just so goes with George. It just yeah. has this command. Yeah, I. It's it's a strong. I will say that I will take credit for the instinct, the impulse to grow it. I definitely felt like I had to have. I had to have that. Also, my children are. You know, my my ostensibly twenty year old children are a little older than that, so it helps to age me up a little bit. So was it your idea to have for George to have the beard, or was that what? Was my idea for George to have the beard? Although, yeah, again, I can't, I can't take any credit for its immaculate shape. Yeah, <laughs> immaculate shape of Morgan Spector's beard. I do want to say though, I have seen people say that they think it's like augmented or something like that, and it, it is not. That is, that is me. That's like, my face. Like it's a beard toupee. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't. Even, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think. I don't know how you would do that. You would like put extensions in your own yes, hair. There's, yes, there's. I, mean, I, think you could do, I think you can do that if you're doing a really like a long yes. sort of ear beard. But no, that's that is my. Yeah, I just imagine at the end of shooting, you just take it off. <laughs> um, fun question. Tell me about the first audition you ever went on, whether you got the part or not. Yeah. Um, First audition that I ever went on, I, God, what was it? I don't know. I I I, I can't I, I I can't remember what the very first one was. I mean, the one that's popping to my mind is I auditioned for uh, a production of Christmas Carol at the McCarter Theater, um, and I, <laughs> I just I came in. I was like, I auditioned to be. Um, uh, who's Scrooge's former partner? Uh, the, you know, he comes <laughs> comes back as a ghost at the beginning of the beginning right. of a Christmas. Um, it's, and he's like, and I just played it. I so overdid it. I I mean, I was there like bellowing and rattling my chains and just pretending I was just like a seventy five year old like hammy theater actor. And it really was one of those moments where just the casting dire director just sat there kind of quietly. And like let it hang in the air. Implicit, the, <laughs> the word it was just like you know what you've done. Like just just mm. leave. And I did, and I never heard again. <laughs> Would you say that was your worst audition? I mean, I've had some bad ones. I, I yeah, I don't know. Tell me some of the bad remember. ones. Um, let's see. I I've auditioned. I'm not really. I sing a little bit. I was in a. I was in the, the touring production of. I was in the national tour of Lion King. It was like my second job out of grad school, and um, so I. But that one, the, what the parts I was playing, you can kind of like speak sing it, so you don't have to be a singer. 
Um, but because of that, I have auditioned for some musicals here and there. And I have a terrible problem when I when I try to sing in an audition, like I just sort of start to shake and and like I'm like on the verge of tears. I can't really. Anyway, I auditioned for a musical that Woody Allen was doing. Um, and like a movie or a stage? No, it was, a, it was a stage play. Maybe it was a movie. What am I, what was it? Everyone says, I love you. Wasn't that the musical that he did, I think? He did, a broad, he did a broad, he was doing a Broadway show. I'm not sure if he was directing it or if he was just in the audition because he had written it. Right. I think it might Oh, so you auditioned for Woody Allen? Yeah, yeah, I sat there, and I don't know if you, you know, I'm sure you've heard stories of how he is and how he was in audition, but he just sits there kind of like this, uh, <laughs> doesn't look at you. And I'm already feeling, because I'm singing, like, incredibly humiliated, and he's just sitting there like that. Like, anyway, it was it was just awful. It was, it was yeah. I'm a, I'm a delicate flower. What was your audition song? Uh... I don't know. It was like it might have been. It was like some Sinatra thing, you know. It was like because it was that kind of. It was that kind of show, um, which I actually can kind of do a decent Sinatra, but it, not not that day. It was. It was just. It was like everything. You know, it's, you have those moments where everything your throat constricts and everything's stiff. It's like, oh, I, I'm gonna sink through a hole in the floor here. I mean, if you want it right now, like give us some. No, I'm not gonna prove it to you. <laughs> yeah. So you're making a good pitch, though, for that Christmas episode where everyone's singing. I want to see you singing with Christine Baranski, Kelly O'Hara. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I'm sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, what I have the people on our show, they have those kinds of voices where when they open up their they open up and sing. It's a it is a different like I can sing along to a song and it doesn't sound awful. They have voices. Uh, it's it's a different thing. You don't want to sing in front of Kelly O'Hara. <laughs> she would be hurt by that. She's a she would be totally welcoming, and she's a right. voice coach. Yeah, you would just mouth in the background. Yeah, yes, that is what I would do. Well, this was awesome. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Got Me to too. ask you about the beard. I've been wanting to ask you about the beard since I saw you in episode one. Um, I never thought it was augmented. I was like, that's a thank you. I appreciate that. Full beard. Well, happy, happy holidays. Thank you, happy and to you. Year. It is December. I can't believe it. I, I don't know how that happened, but yeah. What do you do for the holidays? Are you the family that goes away, or do you stay in town? Uh, sometimes we travel. This We're staying in town, and we're, we have like a bunch of sort of um, friend family coming, you know, coming to stay with us, and my, part of my family lives nearby anyway, so we'll have a, we'll have a full house. It gets, it gets very cozy. Lovely. Awesome. Again, Happy New Year, and um, hopefully next time we see each other, it'll be in person. That'll be lovely. That was Morgan Spector, and that's it for this week's Just for Variety. Thanks for listening. And if you're around on Monday, December 11th, go to Variety.com to watch the unveiling of Zac Efron's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yours truly will be emceeing the event. Until then, make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Mark Malkin. And for all breaking and exclusive Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.